And then I start losing control of the steering wheel. And now I am essing as I'm getting to the heart of the curve where ideally I'm supposed to slow down so that I can turn safely. But my car is not slowing down in time because I've lost all control of my car now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Everyl Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, and do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you very much for hanging around for the next part of this wonderful, wonderful podcast episode. I still have the amazing Kelly, who I will ask to reintroduce himself. Actually, no, don't introduce yourself, because I want people to go back to the first part to understand who you are, where to find you, and all that stuff. So, yeah, got to give him a little, give him some homework to do. Don't really like, you can pause it, go back to the previous episode, watch that, or listen to that, and then come back. Just yeah. makes sense, right? <laughs> so... For those of you that don't know, Every L Podcast is just that you know that not every L is a loss. And we're here to talk about your your right now is not necessarily going to be your forever. It's to highlight people's stories of things that's happened in their past and how they and sort of discuss how they felt, where their head was at, what support they had or didn't have around them, and what the turning point was and how things are somewhat better now that we're out the other side of it. So Kelly's already shown shared with us on the previous episode one of his elds which was really worth a listen this one i'm intrigued because again i don't know anything other than what he sent me and he says the l of my first car so i'm gonna ask him the question what happened what's going on with your first car so this is kind of a continuation of our previous conversation right if you recall i shared with you that after all of that had happened, I needed to get out of Philadelphia. And so at that time period, I wish I was making this up, bro. A Tuesday, I knelt down and I said, Lord, I need to get out of Philly for my safety and the safety of everybody else. So I need you to give me a car. And I'm not one of those people who thinks that, you know, whatever you ask, the big man upstairs, he's going to give it to you like he's an ATM machine or whatever the case is. But in this instance, I think this is the way that I think about it. The big man upstairs saw that I needed to get out and he agreed. And he was like, you know what, bro, I got you. So that was on a Tuesday, Thursday, or that same Tuesday, my mom comes down the stairs and she says, what are you doing on Thursday? And I said, I'm not. And she didn't hear. This was not in public request. This was a me in my distress, just like making my petitions known. And then my mom comes down the stairs and she says, what are you doing this Thursday? I said, nothing. She says, all right, Thursday, we're going to go out car shopping. We're like, wait, what? So Thursday came, we go to a little dealership. I was looking for a Honda Civic and we walk into the dealership, like a second hand used car dealership. And lo and behold, There he was, black, two-door, coupe, 2000, 
Honda Civic. So we got all the paperwork done. My mom helped me finance the car. The guy said, come back tomorrow, Friday, pick up the car. So that Friday, after that Tuesday, I was driving out of that thing with my car that I named Ishmael. So that was my guy. Me and Ishmael, we were a team. Ishmael understood me and I understood Ishmael. Great. So why is all of this relevant? All of this is relevant because again, after all of that had happened, that was the vehicle literally and figuratively that helped me get out of Philadelphia to be able to find some clarity, to be able to put some physical distance between me and my very turbulent circumstance. Okay. So fast forward, a lot of stuff happened in Michigan. I end up moving back to Philadelphia. I think it was after eight or nine months or so of me being away, which was a significant chunk of time. And um, I come back to Philly. I am in a better mental space. I'm in a better spiritual space-ish. And uh, I start working and I find a job in New Jersey. And from where I was living in my mom's house, crossing the bridge to New Jersey was like 15 minutes. I was working at a mall, Banana Republic, which is this department store, clothing for men and women, very tailored. And so I'm like, yo, I'm doing this thing. Okay. Like I'm on this other side of my life. This chapter with this person is sort of behind me. And so I'm finding my groove, right? Life is being good to me, man. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this thing. So I remember hanging out with my friend one night, dude. And to be fair, there were still some run-ins with my ex-fiance at that time. And so while the situation, while I was away, we didn't have any contact. I come back and she found out that I'm back. And so there was a, a reattempt to fix things and to see how things could go. And obviously, when you pick at a wound that is not healed yet, it ends up hurting a lot more. <laughs> so I started going down that deep, dark rabbit hole again. And it was like, Kel, you can't do this again. But now I was, I was more equipped to, to make that decision early on as opposed to just let it ride out into, you know, a, a much later time where I could have made even more poor choices and decisions. Great. So that's happening. And one morning after hanging out with my friends on a Saturday night, knowing that I was not working that Sunday morning, my phone rings early Sunday morning and it's my manager saying, where are you? You're on the schedule to work. And I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. I'm opening the store and I can't be the only one opening the store. How soon can you get here? So I'm like, oh my goodness, I could get there in 20 minutes. That was the quickest shower I've ever taken. I hop in my car. It's early Sunday morning. There is no traffic outside. And so a drive that would normally take me 25 minutes or so, that morning, it took me about mm, 10 minutes to get from my house to the bridge that connects Philadelphia to that part of New Jersey. 
So I'm driving across the bridge and I notice once I get into Jersey that the ground is wet. But in Philadelphia, the ground was not wet. So I'm driving through a stretch of highway that goes from two lanes to three lanes and then to about four or five lanes. And it is at that moment where the highway expands that my exit is coming up so that I can get out to go to the mall where my manager is expecting me to show up to help be so to be the second person in the store. But there's an 18-wheeler next to me that is booking it. Now, I should have done the responsible thing and slowed down from the very far left lane in order to let that big monstrous truck pass me so that I can go safely behind it and catch my exit. But I was rushing because I needed to get to work. The store was already open and my manager is expecting me. So I book it. I said, Ishmi, that was a short name for Ishmael. I said, Ishmi is me and you, baby. Now, mind you, Ishmi is decked out as much as I could afford at that time. My man had tinted windows. I had a sunroof. I'm playing some smooth jazz in the morning. I'm a huge Kenny G fan. And so I got some Kenny G playing in the car, soothing my soul. And um, I'm booking it. I have no seatbelt on. Driver's side, passenger side windows are open. Sunroof is open. It is a beautiful Sunday morning. I book it in front of the 18-wheeler. I cut across several lanes safely because there were no other cars coming. But my speed catching the exit was too much. And the exit is a wide right turn. And so as I catch the exit, my back tires start slipping. And now the tail of my car is wavering. It's wobbly. I am hydroplaning. And then I start losing control of the steering wheel. And now I am essing as I'm getting to the heart of the curve where ideally I'm supposed to slow down so that I can turn safely. But my car is not slowing down in time because I've lost all control of my car now. So then the right, or excuse me, the left front driver tire hits or intersects the curve. The front of my car goes up and all I remember was seeing my feet swing above my head like I was sitting in a roller coaster. And I held on to my steering wheel and I closed my eyes and I braced for dear life. car just hit something and it began to flip. The car must have done five or six flips and it lands upside down, four wheels up in the air. Everything that was in the car, my cell phone, my CDs, documents, crap that I had in the back seat, everything flew out of the car except for your boy. When the car stopped moving, I opened my eyes. I let go of the steering wheel 
I did a quick check-in with myself. Nothing was hurting. I was not in pain. There was no bleeding, no airbags deployed. And I looked straight ahead and the passenger front window was wide open. There was some shards of glass on the floor. I hear a hiss outside. I hear people outside mumbling and talking. The cars behind me had stopped and everyone is sort of going really slowly. Another car had pulled over to the other side of the road. And I make my way out by crawling through all of that debris. I crawl out of the side window. I come out. I see the wreck that I just emerged from. And people behind me, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm just leaning up against the car like I'm about to take a selfie. And so the guy who, who had pulled over behind me was a off-duty firefighter. And he says, move away from the car because it might, you know, there might be some fuel leaking and the car might explode or whatever. So he takes me to the other side of the road. He sits me down and I'm looking at the wreck. And I'm just like, I survived that? So the guy's like, oh, buddy. You must have been so, you must be so upset about your car. And I'm like, homie, my car did what it was supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm alive. (laughs) Yeah. Even though no airbags were deployed. No airbags were deployed. And I'm just looking at the wreck of my car. And I just felt so grateful that I was alive. And in that moment, life became very crystal clear to me, partly because of the adrenaline. (laughs) But I think I really look back at that time now, bro, as a rebirth moment of sorts without sounding, you know, all spiritual and, and like new agey and all of that stuff. That was like, that car served as a, as a womb that I came out of. And that moment, because the stars seemed to align for me in terms of the realization that, you know, and I remember the thoughts that crossed my mind very clearly, dude. The first thought that crossed my mind was, Cal, you haven't told your sisters how much you love them in a while. You haven't asked for forgiveness to the people that you're supposed to ask for forgiveness. And you still trying to recoup and invest in someone who does not, who who doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. Ironically, her number was the only phone number I was able to remember at that time. So when I got to the hospital and they were like, is there anyone we could call? I was like, yeah. And I just started, like, I just recited her phone number by memory. And of course they called and she picked up and I don't know what she said to them, but Now I don't have a way to get back home. I don't have a way to get to work. My keys are stuck in the ignition, not to sound like R. Kelly, but. um, Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So I lost, I lost like the one thing, material thing that made me feel like I was finding my footing again, which was my car. Yo, the freedom that you get with a car. You know, like I could just up and go anywhere. That was my source of of income and independence and all of that jazz. 
And after coming from that traumatic of an experience and turbulent of an experience that you will have to listen to the first part of this conversation to understand the full context of that. After coming from that, finding like feeling like I was finding my footing again and then going through something like that, man, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. What was interesting though was that the way that I was able to handle that moment, I don't think I could have handled that moment had I not found a pivot point on how to deal with the prior experience. Yeah, that makes sense. So it was still, you know, starting from zero all over again. But now my zero was a different type of zero. It wasn't a zero where I had to like find a way to scrape myself off the ground and, you know, revisit all of those harmful things that I was telling myself. But it was now more based on, I had a little bit more of a foundation, a little bit more of a, of a footing to be able to, to endure that time. Was so was you actually due to work on the Sunday then, or was it a mistake on your part? What happened there? Apparently, I was due to work on that Sunday. You, it's just oversight by you. So it was an oversight by me. And that Saturday night, I was like, I'm going to live it up with my homies. And I stayed over at my friend's house, just acting stupid all night, thinking I'm not working this Sunday. That's all right. No, I was just, I was just asking because I was thinking, gosh, could you imagine if you're the manager saying, you're meant to be here with me and you weren't and that happened. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I feel sick. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would feel absolutely disgusted with myself. No, that I'm happy that you're okay and nothing was broken or anything like that. in my body, bro. I do agree with you about the whole, the car did its job because <laughs> I like speed. And I like the idea of a motorcycle because you can just weave in and out of traffic. But I don't like the fact that if someone hits me. <laughs> You're no. flying like Superman. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's the part that kind of gets me. It's like, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. I'll sit in the traffic for a little bit longer if I have to. At least I know. Absolutely. If anyone hits me, I'm all right for the most part. Yeah. But I just, yeah. obviously, when you brace for impact, what was this, what what did you what can you remember of that time? What was going through your head? Was there any sense of regret? Yeah, I mean, like I said, there was when I emerged from that wreckage, there was an immediate sense of look at how your life was almost done. Like that was instead of a of a period, that was a semicolon. Like life gave me a semicolon at that time. Well put. Right. And I'm, and I'm still, I'm still writing the rest of the story or the rest of the story is still being written with me, obviously to this day. So looking back at that, it was like, dude, there are, you are living and investing, you're living in a way and investing in things that really aren't going to get you anywhere. So the value of the, small community of people that were carrying me through that moment just became much more crystal clear. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
so yeah, it was uh there was there was a perspective shift. There was definitely a perspective shift that occurred at that moment. And that's why I say that was like a new beginning for me. That was definitely a new beginning for me. So it helped me realize that, all right, Cal, we need to live a little. We need to stop being so afraid of sharing our emotions. We need to stop being so afraid of just speaking your mind and just uh, going for things. We need to stop being so fearful of what someone else might say or how other people might think. And you just need to start living. Like you need to start being more open, more transparent. I was a very private person. So when you say open, do you mean that? And I think you might have just mention it there. We said you're also a very private person. What you, but was you referring also to open to new experiences as well? Open to new experiences, open to criticism, open to, open to, to more open to people and, and receptive to the positive criticism that people, you know, would dish my way. As a result of that time, I'm a firm believer that whether your criticism is positive or negative, it is my responsibility to find whatever ounce of truth that might be there and at least hold it up and consider it to say, you know what, this person makes a good point, whether or not I fully believe or subscribe to the criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if, you, if you're sending something my way, it has to be a response of, something that I'm doing or not doing, whether or not I'm aware of it. So unless you're a total butt crack and you <laughs> just like mean person that likes to say, you know, mean things to people, I believe that even in that, there might be an ounce of truth or an ounce of something worthwhile for me to consider and say, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I might actually implement that or I yeah. think I might actually think about that and not just reject anything just for the sake of, of rejecting it. So, yeah. That's interesting. So based on the previous experience you had, which you said, if you didn't go for that, you probably would have handled this a lot worse. Yeah. You said that you got really excited when you had Ishmael. Ishmael, sorry. You was really excited for him, you know, like you and me, we're going through this. It sounds like you felt that you was experiencing emotions in a positive way at that point. Was that Was that the case with you? Yeah, because... Everything that had gone wrong and for me to actually get this thing go right. Yeah. It was such a good feeling. It was very good. I mean, around that time, my, I think, not even I think, I know I was depressed. My depression was so severe that I was just wasting away on my mom's sofa. And I can't confirm for sure whether or not this was said, but I think I heard through the grapevines that my mom feeling so frustrated about how she was seeing me, her frustration came out in saying to someone that she just felt like I was just wasting away and how much of a disappointment I was to her. Which I don't hold against her, not because she's my mom, but neither of us had any way to or any knowledge, any helpful knowledge or tools to know how to handle that situation. Because I know what she said came from a place of seeing her son be so hurt 
and her feeling helpless that she couldn't do anything to help me out. So I understand that now. You know what I mean? So I've never held that against her. But just sort of being in that, in that mode, in that phase. And then, bro, Tuesday, I asked the big man upstairs for a car. And Thursday, I got the car. And Friday, (laughs) you're driving the car. And Friday, I'm driving the car. Like, that was pretty sweet, man. Boy. That was pretty sweet. That's good, though, because I know that from my personal experience of depression, I just felt numb for a good portion of the time. Oh, yeah. And I think it's just because where I was in so much pain, the questions I was asking, I couldn't get an answer when I asked people, when I you know, muster the strength to ask people the questions and they just gave me radio silence or just fogged me off. It just further put me in a bad place that I just, no, like when you're cold and you start shivering, they say, if you shiver, you're making it worse. That's yeah. what it felt like where yeah. I'm just asking questions and I'm, I'm tensing myself up to the point now where I don't want to untense because I no longer want to feel anything. Yeah. But I found it quite positive hearing that you felt something and that's because of what I just explained. You've now gone through a case where you've got involved in a roadside accident. You're, you know, you said that you, you thought about how you haven't told your sister that you loved them recently. There's other things in your life that you haven't experienced or haven't allowed yourself to experience. Was that then the turning point for you in this that helped you to understand that you want to live the life you deserve to live? Yes. Simply put, Yes, that was the beginning of it. I can trace who I am now, the reasons why I behave the way I behave, think the way I think, feel the way I feel, express the way I express, do the things I do, whether or not they make sense. I can trace it all back to that day. And the crazy thing is, I remember like a week after the accident happened, I was tying my shoelace. Yo, it's crazy how some of these things just like are so crystal clear. (laughs) I was tying my shoelace and the thought crossed my mind, don't you ever forget the date of that accident? And what do you know? I've forgotten the date of the accident. (laughs) So I can't tell you, like I can't commemorate it in the way that I would want to commemorate it but it's such a significant event that happened. So forsake the date, the event happened. And because I think that's I, more important, isn't it? Really? The, the fact that the event took place, you're not disregarding yes, it. That's more important than the date itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I can trace all of that, you know, to, to that event, man, I can't tell you just how much of a 180 my life took after that event. Like I was so concerned about public perception and I was so concerned in trying to be a people pleaser. And I was so concerned and, and trying to, to, you know, just be this, this perfect person, the one who, you know, the smart one, the one who, who speaks more eloquently, the one who, you know, all of that stupid nonsense, dude, that I was not living in a way that was conducive to a life fulfilled of living. Oh, there is so much beauty embedded in life 
almost losing my life was what helped me realize just how much I was missing out on. And, you know, that's like a big experience and, you know, very over the top and all of that jazz. I understand that. But even the lessons that I learned from and that I'm still learning from that event happening helped me deal with the stupid stuff of everyday life. You know what I mean? Like, don't not sweating the big things for too long, not dismissing them, but also not sweating them for too long, not being too high, not being too low, even though sometimes I am too high and sometimes I am too low. But it always it's it's all of that is within the frame of my life began 1985 and assuming that I live, I don't know, up until 108 years old let's say, on my tombstone is going to be my date of birth and my date of death. And in between is going to be a really short hyphen. And that will be the totality of my life, a really short hyphen. Even though I've lived, if I live to a hundred and something years old, it's that small hyphen. a really short hyphen. So in the grand scheme of things, that is all I got. <laughs> that's one way of putting it never thought of it that way to be fair <laughs> that is all i got so why not do stupid things why not you know be outgoing and vibrant and and share and learn and share some more and grow and think and experiment and connect and do all of those things like why not do those things bro money career all of those things are amazing. They're absolutely important. They're not more important than connections. They're not more important than growing and knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And they're definitely not more important than sharing that knowledge and wisdom and understanding to help somebody else. None of those things outdo, surpass, are more valuable than the opportunity that I have as a as a member of the world society to look out and see someone who is going through something similar to what I'm going through or what I've gone through and to share freely of what I have to say, hey, bro, you're not going through this by yourself. Even if I have to sit quietly with you with my hand on your shoulder and that's all it takes. Oh, nothing beats that, bro. Nothing beats that. And that's great. That is really great to hear. Did you feel upset, betrayed at the thought that, like you said, you prayed, I need me a car, you got you your car, Issue, you, you and I, we're on this together. Yeah, man. What happened? Or did you feel betrayed that God gave it to you and then took it away from you? Or did you feel that it was your own, your own recklessness that caused that to happen? And you felt like I was given this trusted by my mom and God and I've just thrown it away. What, how did you feel? Yeah. Betrayed? No. My own recklessness? Absolutely. What I felt more so was a sense of gratitude that I was still alive. Yeah. The car was secondary. Yeah. Even though now I had to catch the bus. 
And then I got a bike. And then I got pulled over on a bike, which is such a weird thing. <laughs> get pulled over on not a motorcycle, a bicycle on my way to work. That's a different story. Yeah. So those were like moments of, dude, you had a car. Like, had you just slowed down, let that stupid 18-wheeler pass, you wouldn't be getting pulled over on a bicycle right now. but nevertheless it was more a sense of of gratitude man i'm really trying not to sound so you know cheesy or spiritual and stuff like that but when i emerged from that car matt believe me if you want to bro when i emerged from that car I was overwhelmed by a sense, with a sense that my life will be chaotic. Like that was just understood. At that moment for me, that was just understood. I will experience moments of chaos in my life. I got that. What was also crystal clear to me was that the same way through means that I can't even begin to describe to you, some way, somehow, whether you know, you want to call it God, whether you want to call it the universe, whether you want to call it whatever you want to call it. I know what I call it, but that's for me to to know. However, someone wants to describe that. Yeah. I made it out of that wreck alive. Fast forward a couple of weeks after the accident happened, my sister, my younger sister and I we drove to the site of the accident to see if I could recoup any of the stuff that I had lost from the car. And I found some of my CD covers, but the CDs were all scratched up and all of that stuff. And my sister and I stood at that spot and we cried together because she was like, I could have lost you here. And I'm like, I regained my life here. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? So we're crying for like two different reasons. So I go to to the junkyard where my car was towed to, and now my car was sitting upright on four tires. And I'm examining my car, and I'm looking, and then I stop, and and I'm standing in front of my car. Right where I was sitting, there was an indentation on the frame of the car that came inward towards my face. Wow. Bro, had I had my seatbelt on, that thing would have came straight towards my forehead. Like when I saw that, I was like, that's how close my life was to being over. Yeah. So coming out of that wreck, I was like, like I said, it was crystal clear to me. This was like the symbolism of that was, Kel, there will be moments in your life where you will feel like that car, like this scene right here. There will be moments like that in your life. Yeah. What's also true is there will, from those moments, you will emerge out of them just like you emerge from that wreckage. So my approach to life to this day is by leaning into the symbolism of what happened that day. There was a wreck and my car was turned upside down. Yeah. My life will be turned upside down. I get it. That's a given. We're not going to be surprised by it. We're going to experience all of the stuff, but that's a given. Fundamentally, I've accepted that. Yeah. 
I've also fundamentally uh, accepted that some way, somehow, I will come out of whatever that situation and circumstance is, not by my own doing, because I didn't do a damn thing to get out of that car. Yeah. But the powers that be, however people want to call it, again, I know what I call it. And until until the day where that tombstone goes up on my grave site, that's that's my framework for living. I think that's really powerful. And I think you've clearly explained how you perceived that moment, you know, how your mindset shifted from what it was to what it is now, um, how you regained your life, your purpose, your resolve to continue to experience, to embrace the fact that life's going to have its ups, going to have its um, low points. And you can even, sometimes you're going to look like your car. Sometimes you're not going to look like your car, but it's all good anyway, as long as you're still able to still experience these things and live life. And that's something that it is unfortunate. Sometimes we have to get that close to the edge for us to appreciate that we've been either too cautious or not, not experiencing all that life has to offer. As a good friend of mine will say, and I think I've mentioned this before in a podcast, he's got a mantra where it's a matter of live full, die empty. And it took me a while to process that. But as much as it hurts me to think about dying because I love my family, I'm leaving it all out here. Yeah, yeah. Why am I holding it on to so when I cross over to whatever the other side looks like, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. But what am I saving it for? Boy, let me just let it, let it out now and leave it. But it's hard sometimes because we go through some stuff and we hold on to it and it can be detrimental to us. But life in some ways can be hard, can be brutal. There is a saying that says, I've never met a strong person with an easy pass. Mm, and also, mm. if you go to the gym, the weights don't necessarily get lighter, but you get stronger. Absolutely. So the more things life toss your way, don't get it wrong. Don't take everything on, but know that sometimes you can get stronger because of the situation you find yourself in. But do not underestimate yourself. Do not undervalue yourself. If you if you feel that way, that's fine. Explore those feelings. That's healthy. What What would you call that? It's not an L. What is that? Part of the process. Part of the process of living. To me, that's now on the other side of it and far removed from that experience and seeing sort of the fruits of that event happening and handling it in the best way that I could handle it. That's just part of living. That's that's part of living. to know that even though people might think yo you hear about my boy he was in a car accident oh he just lost his car and it's like nah again the understanding of the process that yeah I was reckless that's on me but you know what I'm now able to experience life I've gone through a whole bunch of crap prior to this check the previous episode but you're now going through something else and you know what I'm here for it gonna be ups gonna be downs but I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Like that's, to me, that's the, for someone like me, that is what, that is the motor that keeps churning, right? It, it's the moment I accepted that life would be like that car and that I will experience moments of 
flipping upside down and and uh the impact and the rolling and the debris and uh, all of that stuff i will also experience moments of crawling through all of that which symbolizes figuring out how to get out of that i'll experience moments of emerging from that i'll experience moments of clarity i'll experience moments of confusion and fuzziness and all and everything else in between man welcome to life bro 100% welcome to life and if there's one thing that i that i do want to highlight it's so much easier to talk about and to come up with these conclusions being so far removed from that experience yeah again i want to say when when i was going through it it was not so easy it was it was impossible nearly impossible for me to have this perspective but i think every single person fundamentally has to check in with who you are as a person and to also find out not just what you're made of but who do you have around you yeah to help you endure in those moments when you can't pick yourself up here in the US we have this uh saying pick yourself up by your bootstrap yeah allow me to say that is the biggest pile of horse crap <laughs> that someone could ever say we live in a society where individualism is idolized and let me say that is such a big pile of what did i just say horse crap this yeah. is cow crap <laughs> okay there is no me without you yeah i don't know that i'm a me unless you're there yeah so it it takes a village man it takes a community we're all part of a community yeah no one just drops out of thin air into existence we are born into a community so to buy into this concept of absolute almost individualism is so stupid to me yeah so in those moments if you have one two three people who are able to shoulder you and or lend you a shoulder and carry you through those moments where you just don't want to pick yourself up bro yeah yo you have absolutely everything you need in those two three people you know what i mean like to me that's that is worth saying and we all have those people whether they're for a season whether they're you know forever whatever it is there's always one two three people out of the hordes of people that we know that could always make themselves available to help carry you through some of the most difficult times of your life and identifying who these people are and leaning into those people man listen that that right there that is the nectar of life my friend well, i think that was very well said i think a lot of us in that moment struggle to to see the woods for the trees it's very important i honestly think that more conversation need to be had around that to understand that yes you might have a number of people around you but you can be lonely amongst a crowd 100% and you know if you do feel that way you're not alone i need to ask you though sir do you wear a seatbelt now yes i do are you advocate of seatbelts yes i am 
glad to hear. Um, <laughs> Although I tell people if I had a seatbelt on, I would have probably died. Yeah. But it's all relative. It is indeed. <laughs> Everything happens at different times for different reasons. So we're all good. But please do wear your seatbelts. Please do. Please, yeah. please, please do. And slow down instead of passing an 18-wheeler full speed. Just just pick the safest option, people. Just yeah. just, just do this right thing. Otherwise, yes. you'll be in a push bike and then still get pulled over like some people. Yes. Yeah. That is definitely a story for another day. Yeah. Right, sir. So where can the lovely folks find you? You lovely folks can find me on Instagram at Welcome to Fatherhood Pod. You can find the Welcome to Fatherhood podcast on any and all podcasting platforms. I am not on YouTube. You can check out my Facebook page and you can join my Facebook group by searching Welcome to Fatherhood podcast. Much appreciated. So people go have a check out. If you are into fatherhood stuff or you know someone that is a father and like to know about it or, you know, someone that's think about becoming a father. Hit it up. It's very valuable, very rich in content. And I think you'll just you'll just enjoy it. Kelly's very eloquent, very knowledgeable in what he does. And he communicates very well with his guests and gets some real raw and interesting conversations out of them. So yeah, definitely jump over there. Kelly, thank you very much for once again allowing me to have some of your time. Can't say how much I appreciate having you on. And yeah, I think I'm lost for words now. But thank you very much, sir. Have a fantastic evening. And to everyone that's listening, thank you very much for your time, your attention. Please rate, review, follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else. Because I even had to download an app to find that I was on a podcast platform I didn't know existed. I'll take it. (laughs) But yeah, please rate, review. And if you want to be a guest on here, feel free to drop me an email. It's everylpod at gmail.com. Other than that, follow me at Every L Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Kelly, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, my friend. Not to worry. And to everyone else, just remember, your right now is not your forever and nothing about a caterpillar tell you it's going to be a butterfly. Enjoy life, live it as best you can. And not every L is a loss. Take care. Peace.